Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, it's good to have you guys today. Uh, always love being with you as family. Um, I don't know if you were one of those like November, listen to Christmas music people, all right? Maybe that's you. I, I tend to find myself that now that December has officially rolled in, I have guilt-free, guilt-free, I'm gonna say that again, I'm guilt-free. Now I can listen to my Christmas music with no judgment, and I can watch my favorite Christmas movies like Die Hard. And yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Okay, I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. I like to listen to my Christmas shoes, guilt-free, no judgment, right? While I'm watching Die Hard sipping on cocoa, all right? That, that's my thing right there, and I love it. In fact, uh, um, Christmas shoes, how many guys love the song Christmas shoes? How many guys loathe the song Christmas shoes? Okay, a few of you guys. Pastor Tony was singing it this week in, in, uh, in the office, and I was like, oh, that song. But the more that he sung it, I was like, that song. And then I found myself, I can't get it out of my head. I can't, it's Christmas shoes. I'm like, just somebody give the kids some shoes for his mom, please, right? I mean, it's a heartfelt song. So anyways, it's guilt-free. And you get caught up in all of these things with Christmas, and yet we know that the most important reason for the season is Jesus. And I find it really interesting that that we are real big holiday people. We love, everybody seems to love the Christmas season. We're real big holiday people, but not everybody realizes that the holiday season is just simply to speak to one person, simply to speak to Jesus. It's to remember his advent, his coming. It's to remember the anticipation of the coming of Jesus. And so I wanna give a quick word, um, as I know we, we had a lot happening today, but I wanna give a quick, quick word as we kick off our series in December that we're calling Christmas in Colossians. Christmas in Colossians. And we're, it's all about Colossians at the very start, especially in the first couple of chapters, are all about pointing us to these words, the supremacy or the supremeness of Jesus. And so I called today the hope of Jesus, the supreme hope of Jesus. And so right out of the gate, what you're gonna see in Colossians is that Paul is going to talk about how supreme Jesus is over all things. And so this is gonna be the starting line for us, that we know him, not just have an idea about him, but that we know him and understand that the only thing that will give us hope in this season is him. The only thing that will give us hope in life is him. And I know that you know that, but I'm praying that, that today God would reveal um, some, some wisdom in our hearts that maybe at times we don't keep him as supreme in our life. And I wanna read this word out of Colossians chapter one where he starts off in verse four. He says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. And here's what he says, which comes from your faith and your love, which comes from your confident, everybody say hope, of what God has reserved for you. It's not my finish line, that this earth is not my home, that there is something more in glory, and that glory is being with Christ forever. And good news that came to you is going out to all the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day that you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. 
And then he's going to get ready to go into this section about Jesus being supreme. And I'm going to go into that here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want you to see what he says at the end. He has reconciled you, verse 22, to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I'm, I'm going to read that for somebody. Somebody didn't catch that last part. You are holy and blameless. Somebody point to yourself. Point to yourself. Go ahead. I'm holy and blameless. Oh, that was mumbled. I'm holy and blameless with Christ. Okay, with Christ. I'm holy and blameless as I stand before him without a single fault. How many can believe that's some good news today? How many believe that brings you some hope today? Okay. So this is where we're at today. This is what we're gonna be going through. And I wanna real quickly talk about why hope is so important and then get into the supremeness of Jesus. We are hardwired to be people of hope. We don't live by instinct like other created things do. We live by hope. Part of the definition of faith, and, and Pastor Matt brought an incredible word last week on faith, by the way. If you didn't listen to that, go check out that podcast. We, in our faith, Part of what marks us in our faith, according to Hebrews, is being sure of what we hope for. So, so part of faith, which is what gets us in with God's righteousness, is having faith in Christ Jesus. We are made righteous because of faith, not by works so no one can boast. Part of that faith is that we're sure of what we hope for. So hope is wired into our lives. Every decision that we make, every choice that we make, every response that we have to life and the situation is motivated by hope. We make decisions in our life, and we never make decisions in our life and go, you know what, I hope this decision given result, my end goal is that when I'm done, I have no hope. Nobody does that. That's, that's ludicrous. I, nobody says, if I do this, my goal is that this turns out badly for myself. We, we, we don't do that. Now, sometimes for hope, our story is a hope story. The moment, the moments of our hope moments, our hope came true. The moments of life that are saddest are moments where hope didn't come through. We felt a bit of hope. And so we are always attaching things in our hearts to hope. And so why this is so important, and before we get into the other stuff, is that I want to convince you that hope is in your DNA. It's the DNA of our hearts. You are God's people of hope. There's nothing outside of him that he cannot take care of. Nothing outside of that he cannot provide for. He is the epicenter of hope, and therefore, hope is in our DNA. <clears throat> now, when we think of hope, there's two different ways that we can define it. There's the dictionary's definition of hope with our, our language of hope, and our language of hope defined in the dictionary is to feel that something desired may happen. To feel that something desired may happen. So our definition of hope is this feeling are indefinite and vague. So our definition of hope is this feeling that maybe it's going to happen. But this is not the hope of Christians. The Greek definition that you'll find in the New Testament of hope is to expect or anticipate with pleasure and confidence. This is God's hope. I expect and I anticipate 
<clears throat> with confidence that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's gonna do. This is the kind of hope that as believers that we cling to. In other words, for us as believers, hope is not just a feeling of a possible outcome. <clears throat> it is an absolute assurance that in Christ we have the outcome that we're going to need. So if we think about it and go, yeah, I've placed my hope in things and those things have failed me. Anybody had failed hope before in their life? Let's be honest, okay. A um, couple hands are honest in the place. We've had failed hope in life. The answer then, if we've had failed hope, is that many times we've just simply misplaced our hope. This is the realization of that. Because there's only one source of true hope. We know it's Christ. Christmas itself is a hope story. Hope created, hope lost, hope restored. You have the amazing creation of God in Genesis 1 and 2 where he's created and there's hope. There's hope for this place that was void and empty. He speaks and it's teeming with life and things are happening. And then we find our brokenness because of sin and loss of hope. We no longer have uh, a place with God in terms of the Garden of Eden. He's with us, but there's distance. We know that there's space between us. And so it's a hope that's been lost in some ways. Yet we read the Christmas story and it says, but there's a light that shines in the darkness. That light is the light of men, and his name is Jesus. And because of that, we see the restoration of hope in all things. And so if you just look even throughout the Christmas story of Scripture from beginning to end, you'll see hope, hope lost, and hope restored. And so for you and I, some ways, we have to know that this is really a part of what the Christmas story is for our life even now. I'm gonna realize is the doorway to hope is hopelessness. I'm gonna say that one more time because some of you guys are, you stopped writing and you go, that, that sounds stupid, right? Many times the doorway to hope is hopelessness. The only way you will ever find true hope is to give up on all the places that you've put and your hope in and you've tended to lean on for places of hope. This, this is God taking his people out of Egyptian captivity for 400 years. And in that place of hopelessness in the wilderness, he's teaching them and training them. Okay, try to find your own food. Oh, you can't? Okay, bread's coming. Try to find your own water. Oh, you can't? Hit the rock, water will flow. Try to find your way around the sea. Oh, you can't? Don't worry, I'll part it for you. It, it's so much of a place of when hopelessness hits, then we begin to see the hope of Jesus. So for many, the doorway to hope starts in hopelessness. You don't believe me? Ask this question. Maybe you've placed your hope in a job. Did that job fix your problems? More money, more problems, right? Or a spouse. Did getting married fix your, <laughs> did getting married fix all of, did, <laughs> did getting married, you, you hoped for a spouse, did getting married fix all of your problems? Probably not. Or that new car, or that house, or that neighborhood, or whatever. And that's not to say these things aren't good. That's not to say that these things didn't help fulfill maybe an immediate need or, or a longing that you had in your heart. But the reality is, is did they fulfill everything to where you have no problems whatsoever anymore? You never feel hopeless anymore. And the answer is no, it's, and it's because we placed our hope in the wrong things. If you boil down then, what is hope? What is hope? Paul's gonna tell us this in Colossians. You could boil down 
your purpose in a simple phrase that I once heard Sam McVeigh share. I think he wrote it in his book. I was made through Jesus and for Jesus. And this is the supremacy of what Paul's gonna get us on in Colossians 1 that we're gonna be working through throughout the rest of this month is this idea that I was made through Jesus for Jesus. Now, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. If you have your Bibles, open it up. He says these words, and these are powerful words. Existed before anything was created, the image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, he is, everybody say supreme, supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. He says this, everything was created through him and for him. Let's stop there because there are theologies out there that believe that Jesus was created. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can't say that Jesus is created if everything was created through him. He existed before anything else. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, what's the word? Come on, come on. Supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Heaven and on earth by means consoled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And everybody said amen. amen. How many believe that's powerful? Times through, and you will see. If you struggle with where your hope comes from, read that a thousand times through, and you will see. You will see that he is the essence of hope. You will see that he holds all things together. You will see that in him, you are in a good place. You see, we can't talk about hope and peace and joy and love, the candles that we're gonna light. We can't talk about the components of Advent until we first have a high view of Jesus. That's where it all stems from. We have to have a high view of Jesus. And I, I know that I say those words and some of you guys, you're like, oh yeah, I have a high view of Jesus. I'm not talking about just a high theology of Jesus. I'm talking about a heart theology of a high view of Jesus. I'm talking about a mind theology of a high view of Jesus. I'm talking about a life theology of a high view of Jesus. Not that you know that you should have a high view of Jesus, that you live that you have a high view of Jesus. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Big difference. Big difference in those things. And so it starts with that high view of Jesus. And the word that's used twice in this scripture, in, in, in this context, is the word supreme. You're going to see it a few times, the word supreme. He wants our listening ears to hear that word supreme. Now, you might go, why is this important? Because he was addressing the church of Colossae at the time, that it allowed some deceptive teachings that come into the life of the church. So he had, Paul had set up this church and now deception was coming into the life of the church. They were worshiping angels. As, maybe these angels are more important than Jesus. They had some really deceptive things that were coming in. Other, other ways that they were listening to deception was that they were lowering the view of Jesus and that somehow his supremacy was not efficient or sufficient enough to take care of the evil in the world. And I'm, I'm reading this commentary on what's happening in the life 
there of the church in Colossae for the Colossians, as I'm reading about the deception that's creeping in, I'm like, that's America. We worship, we, we like to worship things like angels and spiritual things. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And, and we've lowered the view of Jesus because we say things like, this world is so broken, there's no way God can fix it. We've just lowered the view of Jesus. A jail cell in the church in Colossians. So Paul in a jail cell wants his listeners to realize how supreme Jesus is in comparison with all things and that Jesus is the answer to all things. As we talk about this for a few minutes, not just for them, but as I said, we, we can have a low view of Jesus. We're like, yeah, yeah, he's a, a good guy, and yeah, yeah, savior, and, and, and all these things, but if we were to listen to this verse that says, he existed before anything else, he holds all creation together, he's supreme overall, and he is first in everything, if we were to be reflective in our life and ask the question, is he first in everything, I think some of us would come up a bit void in that, amen? So we're not all that different from the church in Colossians. This is important because without the proper view of Christ, you will never learn to live the life with Christ in the center. I'm telling you, church, we have made a way, I love this quote that I read, we have made a way of being Christians without knowing Christ. And there's a difference between those two. We've also made Jesus popular, but not necessarily supreme. You see, Jesus can be popular, but that doesn't mean that he's sitting enthroned in my heart. That doesn't mean he's at the epicenter of my heart. And the thing that we are absolutely going to be in, in with back and forth, warring against in these days, we're going to be in, in, in this tension and warring with who sits on the throne of my heart. Be that job, and at times it's gonna be that promotion, at times it's gonna be that, that loved one that you found, and at times it's gonna be that. In these last days, and I believe this is what this war is going to be against, against doing and going and forgetting that Jesus is supposed to be supreme overall. It's seeking the person of Jesus. This is what Christmas is all about, who he is, what he does, how he thinks, what he desires. It's seeking the person of Jesus. And the truth is, we will never achieve this closeness with the Lord unless we invest our time and effort into it. I remember hearing a guy share a few years ago and I think I've shared it even in here before, but he talked about the gospel of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it just, just did a heart work in me, and he says this, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. Not mankind, but Jesus. This is the battle from the time of Adam and Eve. They wanted to know what God knew so they could be like him in their up view of him. Even though they were already created in his image, they had everything they needed, they wanted to have their eyes opened like him. It's when temptation came in. In essence, you could say that mankind wanted to be supreme because Satan wanted to be supreme. And so there was this supremacy issue that was raging and waging war in man's hearts. Even in how we see the gospel today, we've made it so much about man's gospel and not God's gospel. And he says this, when we've made it about man's gospel, it's man having his sins forgiven, man going to heaven and not hell, man in everything and through everything, man conquering everything, and we forget about Jesus conquering everything. 
And he says, when you come into the kingdom through man's gospel and man's understanding, all of a sudden, your Christian life becomes all about you. It becomes about your building. It becomes about your worship teams and your preaching. It becomes about what's the church going to do for me? How do I know if I'm thinking with man's gospel, this author says, if your Christian faith becomes about you and your happiness and your blessing and meeting your needs and it doesn't revolve around anything. I want to be crucified with Christ. It doesn't revolve around Paul saying, I want to be crucified with Christ that I may no longer live, but that Christ would live inside of me. And this life that I live in my body, I want to live it through faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. It doesn't revolve anything around better is it for a man. It's all the ways that the gospel is saying it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Anything, Jesus, the Antichrist wants you to go, it's not about him. It's all about you. This is that deceptive philosophy that comes in. And so he says these words, but the gospel that's a revelation of Jesus and sufferings, you will encounter those things through the revelation of Jesus and what you will realize that it's his power, his ability, his strength that saves you. And once, one, one is the real deal and, and one is counterfeit. And the best way that you can recognize a counterfeit is to know the real one. If you think about people in the bank that know what a $20 looks like that's real or a $20 bill that looks like it's fake, they hold it up because they've studied what the real ones look like first. And if you know what the real one looks like, then you can always know what the counterfeit one looks like. And so when, when, when it's Christmas, how many of you guys like the movie Elf? When you watch the movie Elf and he's in the shopping center and they say, Santa's coming, he goes, Santa's coming! You guys remember I love that guy. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, I, I know him. And then when he encounters the counterfeit Santa, do you remember what he says? You smell like beef and cheese. You sit on a throne of lies. I love that part. Why? Because he knows the real Santa. The question is, do we know the real Jesus and not the counterfeit one? In the same way with any false teaching about Jesus Christ when it comes to Christianity, most false teaching distorts either the person or the work of Jesus. That's what deception does. It either distorts the work of Jesus or the person of Jesus. And it says that more and more deception will come in as the days approach. And so we have this grounding and rooting that we have to do in our, heart, in our hearts of the person of Jesus Christ. And it starts with he is supreme over all. His supremacy is over all, and he is first in all things. Not that we can tell you about, not that we can tell you a story about Jesus, not that we can tell you about our spiritual discipline, but that we can tell you about Jesus. It brings me joy to talk to things that, you know, to, to tell you about things that I know. I got to go on a hunting trip this past weekend, and and I, if you ask me right now, like, what's it, you're, what are you excited about? I can tell you all about hunting, <laughs> right? I can tell you all about hunting. It brings me joy. I love it. I love to talk about it. I love sports. I, I, there's things that I just enjoy talking about. You start talking to me about cars that you love to do. You, you, you love to fix cars. And I'm like, I don't know anything about You start talking to me about cars. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? You start talking about the things that you're, and so it brings us joy. Even if we don't know what the other person, it brings that person joy. You can see it. And this is what we're saying. When it comes to Jesus, does he bring you joy to talk about him? 
Is, is he flowing from you like, oh, he's, every, he's the center of my life. He's first in all things. He's supreme in everything that I do. Oh, I love to talk about him. You know him. First half of Paul's letter to the Colossians can be summarized in these nine words. Real quickly, one more time. He says, Jesus is, the invis- Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He created all, thing. he, all things. He inherits all things. He existed before all things. He sustains all things. He's the head of the body of the church. He is the firstborn from among the dead, which means because he was raised from the dead, so will we be raised from the dead. This is the hope that we cling to, that he's the center of all things. So my question to you this morning, is he the center of your life? Is he supreme? Is he first in everything that you do? When we understand the supremacy of Jesus, we have an accurate view of him. Now we can begin to understand the hope candle. We'll understand the peace candle. We'll understand the joy candle and we'll understand the love candle when we have an accurate view of him. So here's my challenge to you this morning, church. I'm gonna invite the band to come in. I think they're out there, but I think come on up. My challenge to you this morning, is he first? First, and if he's not, then on this first Sunday of walking through Colossians, Let's get a high view of him right now. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you in a moment, the band's gonna play, and uh, you guys can turn and, and use your seats as an altar. You can come to the cross or the matter to me, but I'm gonna, you can, you can stand, you can sit, doesn't really matter to me, but I'm gonna ask you right now today, I'm gonna, will you put your hope that he is supreme, and if you don't have that high view of him, and if he's not seating there, if he's not at that center, if you don't have that high view of him, just make that confession to him. Lord, I've struggled with having a high view of you. I've put other things first. I've put my hope in other things. I've ran to other things. If that's what you've done, it's okay. Just make that confession to him. And then let's start this season off by saying, I don't know hope until I know you as supreme. I don't know you as hope until I know you as first in all things. Let's do a little heart work in the house today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy and thank you for your grace. I pray, Jesus, that as we really posture our hearts this morning, the question is not that we have a high heart set of you. Do we have a high mindset of you? A high heart set of you? A high living our life of you? Theology is wonderful, doctrine is wonderful. But if it's not put into practice, it's, it's meaningless. So Jesus, today we're asking, would you reveal, open our hearts up, are you first in all things in my life? Are you supreme? And if you are first and you're supreme, then I know that my hope, know that my hope will be found in you. Come and do that heart work, Jesus, we pray. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.